1: Hi, I'm Andy Murray, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast.
2: Well, ladies and gentlemen, it is 10.27pm, and we're recording a tennis podcast, and that's after consuming a drink each and a cheese board. Yeah. Life's good. Life's good. Life's amazing. Thank you very much, Kane Shikori. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> poor old Kane Shikori. That is not what anybody was saying as they fled away from the Laver Arena and Melbourne Park this evening. I I left I left with with the mass the thronging mass of disappointed fans, many of whom were lamenting the the many hundreds of dollars they'd spent on the ticket tonight. It was unfortunate, wasn't it, that and ugh, we're only starting here chronologically and I don't think we'll dwell on it long because there's not a whole lot to say but it was unfortunate that the the, the first and only session where we've had one singles match has turned out to be the most yeah. overwhelmingly disappointing one. Uh, this is the tennis podcast, talking about disappointing tennis. Yeah,
3: did we even have an, <laughs> an hour? What you
2: in association with the Telegraph?
3: Yeah. I don't think we even got to an hour, did we? No. I don't think so.
2: And, and the worst thing about it was that no one i don't think was that disappointed when he retired because it put us all out of our misery k included
3: well the the first service game he had i think he was at 30 or you just you, we're we're so close to 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 them physically in the in the back of the court our commentary box is right behind the knees of the center service line judge and he had a couple of rallies with him and he walked towards us and the guy looked like a ghost he looked spent out there and you thought I, I, I still didn't really think he was going to retire any time soon but I thought just in terms of his hopes of actually competing here he he already doesn't think he's up to it The physically he doesn't think he's up to it he's got he's lost the last 13 matches against the guy and he's had three five set matches in four rounds um, this is not going to take very long but less than an hour yeah I mean that's that was a full house tonight, and you do feel for them.
2: Yeah, feel for Kane and Shikori as well. Obviously, hopelessly disappointing for him not being able to compete um, in such a big match. However, this isn't the first time we've seen it, and the facts are: however much you have sympathy with him personally, when you see his name on a quarter-final order of play, you might just like the Shikori himself. <laughs> my shoulders do sink a bit you know his shot his shoulders and i know he was he obviously knew he wasn't up to it physically going into the match but fake it till you make it mate his shoulders had gone after a game if not a point yeah, if he, not in the locker room you he know? does send
3: messages down the other end of the court doesn't he that against Djokovic, i mean i, I kind of put that against the fact that he came back from two sets to love down twice you know which is a monumental achievement of endurance and perseverance and and all the rest of it but yeah he if you're a, if you're a fan of his I, I if i'm a fan of his i, I am thinking okay come on son just clench your fist I mean, a bit and and give him son make him think you, you're in this
1: but i think also i, I see those five sets as a bit more just a bit more negatively, I think, you know, he shouldn't be two sets down to a Polish qualifier in the first round. Yeah. He shouldn't be in a fifth set with Ivo Karlovic, a guy he'd never lost a set to before. And you know, he arrives at the quarterfinals and he's spent. And that message gets across to Djokovic who knows that his game matches up so well against Nishikori, and he's got the physical edge. And unless you're the man in my media transport yesterday who who actually uttered the words, my money's on Kane Shikori...
2: I need to know if he meant that literally. Did he, he actually did. He put his money where did. his mouth was?
1: He had full... Did he go
2: to a betting shop?
1: He had full cognitive capacity and he said those <laughs> words. But
2: I was, I'll be needing some sort of psychometric test to confirm that.
1: I was dumbstruck, but, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean... Novak Djokovic is glad when he sees Kanishikori in his quarter of the draw. It's the perfect
3: seed for him. So how did Kanishikori beat him at the U.S. Open then in a four-set match, which was like a pinball match? Well, and and he and they split the first four matches that, between them.
1: I believe that was a really hot day as well. It was. Yeah. And Djokovic, we know, doesn't like the heat, so that that did help Nishikori. And also, he hadn't had he didn't have the baggage back then. You know, that was what five years ago four and a half years ago yeah and he was still he wasn't quite the new kid on the block but he was you know he was still you know he had he had something to prove he had he had a bit more freedom whereas now he's just you just you just know exactly how it's going to go with him or at least that's the feeling you get anyway until sh- he proves otherwise
2: I should point out quickly that we are in the hotel bar that's why yeah. things. Are, I mean honestly five minutes ago this place was pretty deserted and suddenly we started recording the tennis podcast and the people are a flocking
1: yeah well I <laughs> uh, don't know. Li- tennis podcast live 2.0 yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah they, I they, mean
2: it it really kind of is we're being waited on by Greg Rutherford I mean it's all
3: <laughs> yeah he's a long it's, it's jumper it's quite the scene uh, triple jumper long jumper long jumper long no jumper. He's, he's
2: gold medal winning Olympic gold winning jump? recently retired no, so we really jump. could be being waited on by Greg Rutherford yeah,
3: yeah. Crikey, TBC the, the tennis podcast crowd are in <laughs> in the bar uh, so yes that's the hubbub should you're should there be
2: a rule just imagine imagine for a moment that you're Pablo Karenja Buster.
3: yeah
2: right now what I'm, you're thinking.
3: I'm thinking I shouldn't have lost my temper quite as badly as it is. So. Okay.
2: But what else might you be thinking? <laughs> you know, <laughs> should harsh, there be they've altered, they've altered they the rooms for for first round retirements, haven't they, to try and prevent those? Technically, and I don't I don't want to um, I don't want Nishikuri to, to bear the whole weight of this because we know it happens left, right and centre but technically the rules are you shouldn't be taken to the court if you have an injury that prevents you from completing the match and that seems to me, what, I mean if Nishikori walked on that court for a second thinking he had any chance of winning yeah. then then he didn't blow me down with a feather but you know, should there be some kind of provision where Pablo Carreño Buster is waiting in the wings through a through a stars in their eyes smokescreen, Wait, waiting. You know, <laughs> Nishikori retires and the crowd all groan. And Jim Courier does his interview, and then Pablo Carreno Busta in a superhero suit, <laughs> he
1: goes strides he goes,
2: on and goes, "Guys, it's going to be fine."
1: He goes, "Tonight, Jim, I'm going to be Kane Nishikori."
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to lose in straight sets instead yeah, to I'd, the world number
3: one. It is. It is a bit of a shame, almost like a sort of lucky loser. For the main midway through the main draw, that you don't have a capacity to to do something about it. Yeah, if K just turned up and says, "Look, yeah, I won that match, but I have I can't, I can't uh, play."
2: And the other, I mean, I, I don't think it's really a discussion point here on the tennis podcast anymore because I think we're sort of pretty broadly in agreement. I mean, we found the solution, but it, it is now throwing into um, into the forum of debate, shall we say, the whole men playing best of five throughout women playing best of three should men you know Ben Rothenberg of course is using it as an example of best of five just not being a good thing um, but it's, it's okay everyone we've got the solution best of five second week best of three first week men and women yeah just just, just waiting for, to be listened to yeah okay sorted um, but we really should move on let's move on hastily to some better, more dramatic, more knife-edge, thrilling, everything-you-could-ever-want tennis from both Serena Williams and Karolina Pliskova. Won by Karolina Pliskova, 7-5 in the deciding set after trailing 5-1, after saving... Four match points against her and reeling off six games in a row. And on the first of those match points, which came on the Serena Williams serve, Serena served what she and everyone thought was an ace, which was called, called a foot fault. Mm.
3: Um, <laughs> which I, I thought at the time was was a, was nothing really. I, I
2: well, she what, had it was, such a big it, lead, didn't yeah, so yeah. I
3: feel significant. And,
1: I just, and
2: even and even you know, even Serena didn't. Kick up that much of a fuss about it? Did she? Whereas she just
3: crashed,
1: cracked if,
2: on. If really. that had happened at, you know, five six, yeah, different story. It, I
1: reckon it does. It does make me think. Why is there, maybe a, not the technology to to challenge a foot challenge a footfall, and b. Why have we not seen a camera angle? Why is there no camera yeah. angle of that? Yeah, yeah. You know, because there's been, as far as I'm aware, there's been nothing to it was just a verify whether it's it was a b- b- or not. It's completely unverifiable.
2: The umpire can't even contemplate intervening. Yeah, um,
3: just a diagonal view, it, wasn't it? It's there? a total. You can't um, tell anything from it's that. a black
2: spot in tennis. Um, yeah, very bizarre. And I guess they just think it's. It's too rare an occurrence to invest the
3: But it would not be resources. difficult to do no. that. And no. the, the thing is, you would then no longer have this. I mean, you, the, you immediately get this feeling of the conspiracy theory of, of oh, it's, it's always Serena, isn't it? You know, she's always the one who gets done. Um, and I, I mean, maybe it is, but. It doesn't
2: the, <sighs> they've got cameras on Nadal's salmon. They can put cameras on the baseline. <laughs> Do you know what Nadal,
1: I mean? Nadal's dropped salmon, yeah. Well, they've got cameras everywhere they the Australian over. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. If yeah. we
2: can watch Nadal drop, pick up and wipe down his table. That
3: is hilarious that that is the case, that you can see everything yeah. everywhere. And,
2: a pre- and, um, and you can't in a very, very sweet moment, Naomi Osaka was asked how she felt about it. I think it was actually after her previous victory, not the one today, over Alina Svitolina. Yeah. Um, her previous victory was over... Was that the one over Sue Weichet? Yeah.
1: No, uh, Sevastova.
2: Sevastova. Mm. She was asked how she felt about there being cameras everywhere and she went, oh, I didn't know there was. I thought there was just the one. And then apparently in the holding area today, before her match was being called, you could see her looking up and spotting all the cameras and going, wow, they are everywhere.
3: Oh, goodness <laughs> me.
2: Yeah. Um, and they really are. We can.
3: I've been picked out a few times when I've been waiting to go to the commentary box, just lurking,
2: like you know, a like great, great I, big
3: meeting point.
2: You, I stand at the um, that entrance and exit to the Rod Laver Arena, waiting to do the flash interview with Karolina Pliskova. So I'm standing there when Serena Williams walks up the stairs and off court. And there's very strict rules about where I can stand, so I don't get caught on the the candid camera. Yeah. Um, yeah, nothing should interfere with the scene of Serena Williams striding away from, from what felt like an inevitable victory at one stage. Yeah,
3: so then the, the point that ensued after the footfall, she turned her ankle and she still almost got back in the point and won it. But the moment that she lost that point and had turned her ankle, things changed. Um, she was at pains not to make any excuse of it not to use that as the reason she lost she was saying that Karina Pliskova hit all the lines she said she played lights at tennis um, and just ripped it from her basically and that the lesson for her next time is to do the same thing and in her words go psycho the next time I have uh, a match point um, and you know go for it basically rather than playing within herself but I felt that that turned ankle. However, I don't know how bad it was. But I think that that had an impact because she slowed up. Well, she didn't. She didn't win another point on serve. She lost. Wow.
1: She lost the remaining ten point set on serve, including getting broken twice. And yes, Karolina Piskova played really, really well. But
2: by by her own admission, she was in the locker room. Yeah. She said on the court, in my head, I was in the locker room.
1: And. If Serena's serve is working, no matter how well the other player is playing, she takes the racket out of their hand because she will hit an ace or hit an unreturnable serve. But there was none of that after the ankle turn.
2: Putting aside the eventual result, which... uh... I think it's down to so many different factors. That first set
1: when Pliskova... So clean.
2: So clean. I think it took about 20 minutes to make an error. Mm. Um, I
1: think it was after 32 points she made her first error.
2: Um, Wow. Yeah. I mean, it was was so clean. It was such good ball striking. Serena Williams looked completely flummoxed and not to take anything away from Pliskova, who, yeah the stats bear out was pretty much perfection but I just wonder if Serena had somewhere in her mind the fact that Osaka had won the previous match and that if she were to win it would be a, a repeat of the US Open final I cannot believe that wasn't anywhere in her to, mind because, to make
3: her edgy or yeah
1: yeah,
2: yeah. it I certainly mean, wouldn't
1: I mean she came out making quite a lot of errors certainly compared she to did. the way she came out against Hallep and you know Sarko just won
2: I thought she she, she hasn't
1: she been didn't... she hasn't been taking questions on the US Open that yeah. would have been the which, whole which, narrative if she
2: was if she was completely at peace with it in her own mind why not take the questions you know mm. I know there's the whole constructed reality thing element which is a big thing but if she was cool with it she'd you know be fine to take the questions. So, somebody
3: said to me today. Actually, went a step further and said that she didn't want to win today because she didn't want to face Osaka. Which I think is nonsense.
1: Yeah, I don't think I, it's I that. I do
2: too. But I, I, cannot believe that she went on to court without that somewhere in her mind. We'll never know. Would uh, just how to much make her m- on, on come edge. Come on, because so
1: I think because I think you know she, she loves. Playing people for a second time that have beaten her, beating them again. You know, she's she's been an absolute. You know, she's been amazing at doing that through her career. But I just think that match was probably on her mind, and perhaps mm. maybe affected the way she played. But I don't. I don't think it sort of no, meant I, that I mean, she was didn't want to win German the match. Was that the German
2: journalist that had his money on Nishikori?
3: <laughs> 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 Let's say it was. Um, the the fact is that. She's she, she now
2: broke, by the way, <laughs> on a flight home. I thought the way begging.
3: she came back, given the way Pliskova was saying, I, I thought she was going to lose in straight sets, really, the way it was going. Um, and <sighs> to be honest, when she got to 5-1, I was, I was partially constructing in my mind the champion that Williams is, but also what a disappointment Pliskova is when you push her into a corner. Um, And to be fair to her, she hung in there. She, you know, she she withstood the disappointment. She was ready to take what was coming to her. I know that. But once that little glimmer, that little opening was there, she was back in the game mentally and she took the chance.
2: And we know how much of a head spin it can be to play a a wounded opponent let alone that wounded opponent being serena williams you know she had to not make any errors on those match points and she did more than that she, she wasn't just thinking hit get the ball in court and hope that serena makes the error she played those match points really well yeah. really really well so yeah she came off court she did a big high five with a czech cameraman he's <laughs> a big czech loving Um, and uh, yeah it's her first time into an Australian Open semi-final She's still in very complicated ways is in with the chance of reaching world number one as is Petra Kvitova however in the live rankings Naomi Osaka is number one and certainly remains in the hot seat I believe um, but by a by a mere smithereen.
3: Pet- Petra Kvitova needs to go one round further than Osaka, yeah, doesn't she? Yeah. And
1: Piskva needs to win the title. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. So it's it's <laughs> pretty it's that. pretty
3: cool though, isn't it? That the three of the four semi finalists could be world number one.
2: Yeah. It's great. Well, yeah. It's absolutely a... great. Because, sorry, Matt. The, the, sorry. The, you know, we always start. We've started a few tournaments in recent years. Um, on the women's side with this whole you know seven players or it was 11 at it was the ele- of that's what one, I was going to say it? it was 11 and then yeah. we've seen sort of all the seeds drop and it end up that the, the sort of number one narrative fading fading away but actually this one is really built to a crescendo um, and yeah I've, I mean I know plushka has been there before briefly hasn't she but because she's never won a slam I think that I don't know I feel like it would it would be bigger, this. It wouldn't, it would, I don't know, it, would, it wouldn't feel like, oh, I'm back at number one. It would feel like a sort of separate achievement and, in itself.
1: And am I right in saying that Petra Kavitova was one match away at the, I believe, yeah. at the 2012 Australian Open? I, I think if she she'd was, beaten yeah. Sharapova.
2: Which she calls one of the most heartbreaking defeats of mm. her career.
1: And I think that would have taken her to number one, or yeah. certainly got her very close. And she's not really for circumstances outside of Well, Danielle of control, Collins has like got no chance.
2: chance of reaching world number one.
3: <laughs> <laughs> she's the only one, but I don't think she'll mind too much.
2: No, um, I, th- I think she's, yeah, I think she's fine. So that will be the first semi-final tomorrow, Danielle Collins against Petra Govitova, and that will be followed. I think there's a not-before time, isn't there? That's no. at 3 a.m. UK time, which is two not before 2 p.m. local time, uh, and that's followed by Asalka, Against Pliskova. Pliskova.
3: Who, um, incidentally, just before we get on to, I'll not talk about Pliskova and, and her coaching setup uh, in a second. But Serena Williams, just generally, how how big a deal is this? Because it is another missed opportunity in the pursuit of 24 Grand Slams. She's on 23. She's trying to match Margaret Court and eventually overtake her. This is another step, isn't it, which she hasn't taken. When she has been close, two Grand Slam finals last year, didn't win one. How concerned are you that, that this is maybe even not going to happen?
2: I still think she'll do it. I still believe that she will. And probably, probably more than one. But there are, there are slight comparisons, a little bit in the way I feel about it, with Zverev. <laughs> the Zverev situation possibly the only time that's that that comparison's been made but everyone's just assumed this will it's only a matter of time if it's not this one it's the next one you know okay this is disappointing but you know if not now then yeah the next one but there does come a point where you know we all thought that about Grigor Dimitrov for a while, didn't we? And no, and when, have I,
3: when, when did we ever? <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> you
2: know, and 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 a few others, mercifully not too many others, but there there are heartbreak stories. Marcelo Rios, it was inevitable. I
3: can't say I lost too much sleep over that. <laughs>
2: It's I'm not losing sleep. I'm not losing sleep over any of it, David. I'm joking.
3: I'm joking.
2: Um, <laughs> but you know what I mean. there the does. And Zverev has time on his side in a way that Serena doesn't to the same extent. I still don't think it's a sort of ticking clock. I don't think she's going anywhere in the next year. But
3: I found it very interesting that she said she wants to play a lot more to get used to those situations.
2: Well, I do think that was a factor today, and I and I think she's not alone in that uh, how much how much the ankle is a physical thing I don't know but I do think you you can Andy Murray's done it plenty of times over the year you panic don't you on the court in the moment you panic and I think just just I think there were there were mental things happening which feels so alien for Serena Williams who's such a fortress but I think there were myriad mental factors I mean for both of them but in particular for Serena today. Is there, do you think, any
1: danger of her losing her aura, if you like? You know, now she's taking some defeats. I was I was having a look at her stats and she's now entered four slams and, in a rut and not and not won them. Which for her is quite a long streak. Normally she wins sort of every third slam she plays, pretty much. I think her longest streak of entering and not winning a slam is seven in her career so she's getting to you know if she doesn't win a slam this year she'll be she'll be there
2: yeah I I don't think it's happening yet but yes I do think it's something that she needs to be wary of because by her own admission that aura is is valuable I mean it always
1: felt like that was how she won you know obviously she was the better player but that aura just she walked onto court it's it a classic thing walking onto court for well,
2: you know I think she can
3: rebuild it quite quick well actually personally I think it is still there yeah I, 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 st- I do it I, is still
2: there but I think Matt's saying does she at what point does she sort of it risk being chipped away and we saw it with Djokovic yeah, you know, it well, he, so, so, suddenly it is getting chipped away, and then then once that starts, the erosion happens but quite look, quickly. Look at the
3: speed with which he rebuilt it. Absolutely, for sure. um,
2: yeah, absolutely. And, but and I,
3: I think it would only take one of these things, and then she could win four more of them. You know what I mean? Um,
2: without question. But, but
3: I, I like the idea of her playing a lot more. Um, I think that that's a real, it's a positive for the game. I think it's a positive for for her as an individual. I think that could be a real game-changer because, yeah, picking and choosing your spots is all well and good, but if you're not winning,
1: no. And there was a good moment in the press conference when someone said, you know, do you still believe you can get 24 and where is it most likely to happen? And she just looked at the guy and said, well, yeah, and it's next most likely to happen at Roland Garros. You know,
2: Yeah.
1: that's 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 the the next next one. Why
2: do you think I'm here? Yeah. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, I'm sure in three months' time we'll all be picking her to win Roland Garros. Well, I, t- I tell you months what, time, if like she
3: that. takes from this defeat literally what she has said there about the next time I'm in that posi- position, I am going for it. I am going to do what Fluska did and just go for it and take the chance. If she's able to do that, everybody needs to watch out. Watch out. It could end up being the catalyst that wins her more than if she'd have won this one. Yeah,
2: um, yeah. And, a, about that run of four I think how she would probably frame that in her own mind is that this is actually the first one of those four yeah. when she's been in peak shape you know I, I think I, I think really last year I mean she was in extraordinary shape and she, she's Serena Williams so you know the rules don't apply but she, by her own admission, and certainly by Patrick Moratogli's admission, this is, this is Serena. She has, um, in ideal circumstances, as it were, with ideal build-up at the Hotman Cup, with an off-season behind her, with the time to commit, to all of that. These are, this is the first slam that she's approached in with everything coming together. So she maybe would, yeah, that's the way she would frame that run of four, not winning.
3: Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life, and of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. A word for the coaching setup of carolyn Pliskova, René Stubbs and Conchita Martinez, who has now done this well I mean I, I know that Plishkova hasn't won this title yet but Garbini Magarutha did with her input and, and it's mightily impressive really um, her, her input her effect is without question I think and, and I, don't, I don't think plishkova has ever looked as good as this well I remember when
1: when she brought Stubbs in last year she, she specifically said you know I needed more fun off court and I needed to enjoy it more off court. And she was kind of clashing, I think, with her previous coach a little bit. And this whole new off court setup is really helping her tennis on the match court. And I'm sure we'll say similar later about um, Luca Pui.
2: Yeah, and and, and also similar. Uh, Petra Gavitova is saying similar things, isn't she? She's saying sort of federer things about. She's not been practising on her off days Mm. um, because she feels like, I've got the matches I need. You know, she she won in Sydney, didn't she? She feels like, I've got the matches I need. Why why practise for the sake of it? She feels in a rhythm. I'm going to let myself... I'm going to be kind to myself and allow myself to enjoy my off days. I mean, I'm sure she's not, you know, eating pork scratchings, but...
3: (laughs) She's also it. not
2: killing herself on the tennis court just because she's on autopilot, and that's what what you feel like you should be doing. So, yeah, yeah it's it's these are good advocates for fun.
3: They are. She
2: says in a busy bar, <laughs> surrounded by cheese and beers.
3: Yeah, we're having fun. <laughs> um, talking <laughs> to somebody who had fun today, Luca Puy. Luca Puy. Yeah, he had a great time. Uh, I mean. I was really shocked by that. Milos Ranich was leading 5-2, first set. And we were, we were sitting together, I think, at the time. Catherine and I were sitting together. We were, we were having a chat and watching the TV. And I came downstairs. Next thing, I'm sitting next to Matt. And Luca Pui's won the first set. I really am I'm scratching my head. I said to you, how has that happened? And I still don't really know how. Yeah, well, I think,
1: really, the narrative here should be how well Luca Pui played. Yeah. He was, Presque
2: perfection.
1: Yes, as the French the, radio journalists yeah, we, were, we were saying. We were sat in the line in
2: the radio room. I was an imposter. That's that's Matt and David's official position. There just happened to be a free desk next to it. It's, it's as if they knew. Yeah. Um, and then along the line is a, a French radio journalist who described at a an, at a pretty hairy moment in the fourth set, I thought. As playing close to perfection.
1: Wow, That's pretty well. I mean, what was so impressive, and Catherine said this to me as well. You know, the way he was using Raonic as a target and just whipping it past him. Every it felt like every single time Raonic came to the net, Puy was just coming up with just perfect passing shots. And you know, really, this is a huge transformation for Luca Puy because. You know, I was at the Davis Cup final just a, two months ago, and he was left out of that team. He was not in a good place. He wasn't. He wasn't trusted essentially to win a point, and he was the number one player um, yeah. in terms of ranking. And he's he's used the off season to, you know, do a bit of soul searching, realize he wasn't having fun off court, bringing Amelie Moresmo in, and he just he's playing his. You know, certainly his best tennis since he reached the US Open quarterfinal in 2016. And
2: a real triumph for tactics as well, both he and Stefano Sitsapas both. Because I know that's something that Mats Volander is constantly lamenting in t- tennis that tactics aren't given enough credit or you know the tactics seem to have gone out of fashion the fashion is I'm going to play my game is that's that's the mantra isn't it I'm going to play my game and kind of hope hope to have a good day and hope that that's enough whereas Luca Pui and Amelie Maresmo knew that Raunic was going to charge the net knew that he's a decent volleyer but he's not a Goran Ivanovic volley doesn't have that touch sometimes he can look like a sort of Big giraffe up there.
3: Nothing wrong with big giraffes.
2: <laughs> Sometimes he can look a little awkward up there, yep. can't he? Well um, I, I have to say, I mean, um, Gor-
3: Goran, Goran volleyed okay, I think, from what I'm told. And I mean, I, you know, listening to commentators more than anything, because I don't know the technicalities that much. But his serve was so amazing, he used to have an easier time at the net, but.
2: But he I, had, the, he, had a, he had the feel, didn't he? Did he? Have you feel, had to yeah. in the 90s. He did have
3: feel. You're right. Um,
2: and and Manich occasionally has it, but you can't rely upon it. And Pui, Pui and Amelie Moresmo very clearly prepped a match where if you can pass with accuracy and keep it low, they don't have to be clean winners. You know, they, you don't have to be aiming for the line or just really consistently make a an 8 out of 10 passing Andy shot Andy Murray would and, often
3: do that yeah. do the sort of two stage do the pass two. There, was,
1: yep. there was one he did to break serve in the second set where he dipped a backhand down around his feet and then just lobbed him perfectly and it was it was Andy Murray-esque
3: the, wh- the, the actual narrative and it's a bit too convenient this but I'm going to go with it um,
2: I'm eating that last bit of cheese yeah I can right. see that yeah.
3: you know, I, was, I was got my own that but oh no um, you've got this big guy charging the net hitting volleys and you've got this guy whipping stuff past him in 1992 Andre Agassi won Wimbledon and beat Goran Ivanisevic, who was serving 30 plus aces a match on that court and that's what he was doing to people I mean Agassi's run to the title was Boris Becker, John McEnroe and Goran Ivanisevic in the final um and it just occurred to me watching Puy, I, I, I've thought this for a while, the way he, his, his stroke construction feels a bit like Agassi to me. He's got this fast twitch arm, this really fast arm and, and, and you saw him in the way he was neutralising the, the round it serve and loving the target as you describe. It really, I, I was so exciting to watch him play like that.
1: And I must say, I thought he also played a tactically smart match against Borna Cioric.
3: Yeah, I mean, because, that's a heck of a win. I mean, yeah. I think Cioric wasn't 100%, but even so, but also, you know, this, this guy's a bull of a man, isn't he? And also, you know, Cioric has improved a
1: lot sort of playing aggressive tennis, but he still prefers a more counterpunch defensive style. And Pui sort of turned the tables on him and said, look, I'm going, to be ru- I'm going to be running, I'm going to be digging in, you're going to have to beat me. And Church wasn't up to it.
2: It's wonderful, isn't it? I mean, Amelie Moresmo is and was a, a masterful tactician, a real thinker, a real craftswoman on the court. And that's what Murray identified in her and, a, a, as something that he wanted to bring to the party. Um, and it, it's, it's wonderful.
3: I commiserated with, uh, with Goran. Afterwards, oh. uh, via a, a, a little message, I invited him out for beers. He said no thanks.
2: Beers slash podcast. He, he said
3: that yeah, I tried, folks. I said thanks, but he said thanks, but no thanks. And I said to him, um, was it Luca Pui playing out of his mind, or was it a bad day at the office? And he said it was both. And I think that's fair enough, you know. Yep. I think I'm sure Ravnich could have played better, but you can take nothing from Luka it rarely all.
2: is all of one yeah and none of the other isn't it because because the the nuances of the sport and the the mind games and the the fractions of fractions of fractions of things that play um yeah such that but I'll tell you what I was a heck of an opportunity missed for Milos Raonic a heck of it a was, moment it? to, to not you, play your especially after best. you've
3: beaten Vavrinka and Kyrgios and yeah it's who Verev. else was it Zverev yeah, yeah. Um
2: quickly who's winning things tomorrow the two women's semis and then the night session uh, Nadal sits a Bath so we've got uh, Kvitova Collins first I've got Kvitova
1: back in Kvitova there yeah, yeah.
3: I, I find it hard to believe Kvitova won't hit her groove and win
2: Asaka Plushkova it's tough oh, I've got Osaka
3: it? I, I got think she looks amazing i, I go got really Osaka do. and she said
1: could she, be a classic that could be she said something interesting and in impressed how she's played a lot of defensive players this tournament who maybe she doesn't normally like playing and Pliskova I think you know based on what she was saying perhaps suits her a bit more gives her that instant pace And
2: yeah yeah alright I'm convinced Osaka <laughs> and in the night session Nadal sits a pass Oh. Who's going to blink first? They're looking at one another.
1: I I have to go Nadal, just because... Don't have to. Of... If
2: there's a, any way you're going to make a silly prediction, Matt, this is the place.
1: I've made a lot of them. <laughs> a, he's playing really well.
2: How long ago does Victoria Kuzmova see
1: <laughs> Who? It
2: was like last year.
1: A, I mean, Nadal is, I think, playing really well. Yes. B... He often eats one-handed backhands for breakfast. Sintipas has got a great one-handed backhand, and I think he can stand up to him better than a lot of people, but I just think that lefty serve will take its toll eventually.
2: How many sets? Five? Ooh, David. Oh. I'm
3: going to go Nadal in four close sets.
1: Yeah, I could, I, I could see that too, by the way. <laughs>
3: I could also. I was so close to saying Sitsapas, but I'm going to go Nadal in down four close sets.
2: That's like, but, mm, I'm, yeah. re,
3: I'm really concerned about the fitness of Nadal, but I, I'll. I i do not have any evidence that he's injured, so I'm going to go with. No, four. nor
2: me. But I do think Sitsapas needs to go in thinking I've got to make this physical. I've got to hang in there, and make this a long one.
1: And I think. Cause that, Nadal, what, are you, what are you going? Because
2: Nadal has impressed me hugely, and yeah. I, I am picking him for tomorrow night. But if it gets into a fifth set, we have not seen him physically tested, really. We've, you know, Moyer's admitting that they've changed his technique to shorten points. I still think there are alarm bells there if somebody can ring the bells. Mm. So that's got to be the plan. By
3: the way, just just to say, cracking day for France today because uh, Pierre, Hougabert and Nicolas Mahou beat the Bryan brothers and Kristian Mladenovic won. Uh, yes, in her doubles with Babos. And, and then, yeah, and then you've got Luca Yeah, Fantastic. better
2: for the French than for the Brits Jamie Murray lost uh, in men's and mixed doubles oh, Yeah, yeah tough, <laughs> tough one
3: for him but he was still nice enough he to get us he was still really,
2: really nice yeah yeah, good on him and uh, Sam Stozer and Zhang Shui are currently in action in a uh, third set against Stritzova and on this is on the Rod Laver Arena uh, Stritzova and von Drusheva. von Drusheva who had a great US Open and has not had a great anything since but you know
3: maybe next time
2: <laughs> maybe we'll talk about her another time we've been the Tennis Podcast brought to you in association with The Telegraph our executive producers are tennisballs.com our mascot is Rio with a Y and he's wonderful and we'll see you tomorrow